I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the World's Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one. And joining me once again via video conferencing software, it's editor extraordinaire, Tony Kerr. Watcher. Sure. How are you doing, Tony? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. All good? Well, I was pretty, yeah, you know, I was pretty, pretty proud of my editing efforts, sent it across, and you were like, yeah, good, uh, good job with the music. But did you actually edit any of the conversation? <laughs> was, your, was, your, was your feedback? Um, so that you know that, that that sort of knocked me back a bit. My, my, I was pretty confident going into that point. But. It was a half decent first effort. <laughs> For any new listeners, you edited last week's episode, your first ever attempt at editing uh, after 366 podcasts, <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, sent it across to me. Um, I'm a hard man to please, I suppose, Tone. Firstly, because I have control issues. Um, and also because apparently you didn't do anything at all to the conversation. Well, I just, you know, I take a different approach to you. I think I was kind of, I just like to let it flow a bit more, you know, let it breathe, let the, let the points kind of, let them land. Whereas you kind of, you tend to, to cut it all out, you know, all the character. Well, I like to, <laughs> I like to very carefully sculpt it. So it makes me sound smart and articulate and makes you sound like an idiot. That's and that really takes like, you ages, to be fair. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's my that's my method. So you weren't quite living up to that. Um, but anyway, have you uh, have you recovered? Have you recovered from your exertions? Yeah, yeah. It was a bit of a. Uh, yeah, I feel like I've been through the ringer somewhat. It was a, it was a stressful three days. <laughs> I'll be editing this one, so <laughs> you, don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to worry. Phew. Uh, but anyway, we've got uh, plenty to talk about on the on the pod today, and we principally the test series in India which has come to an end this week and uh, a rather bitter end as as far as England are concerned, throwing up lots of talking points as always. So are you excited for this, Tane? Have you got a lot to say? Buzzing, yeah. I don't know. I'm not even sure there's that much to say. But anyway, we'll come on to that. I'm sure you've got lots to say. <laughs> Do you want to just draw a line under it here? <laughs> yeah. We've talked about you editing. Thanks very well, much. What, I just came for the praise. That's really it. <laughs> well, yeah, and you didn't get any of that. And I didn't get any, so it's been a waste of my bloody time. It looks like we're recording on different continents, Tone, in different seasons. Like you're wearing a t-shirt and I'm wearing about six layers. I'm wearing a hoodie underneath a dressing gown. It's bloody freezing tonight. I don't know what you're doing. Spring is in the air. Not round my way, Tone. It's, uh, I live a good 10 minutes up the road from you. It's much colder up here. I don't know. I'm at sea level though. You're, you're a good 30 metres above sea level probably. So it's probably it's freezing up there. You got a big glass of red wine there as well, so it looks like you're ready to go. Well, I thought, you know, Sunday night vibes. Yeah, I've just uh, polished off a roast, got a big glass of red wine, ready to Last go. Last week we recorded Saturday morning, it felt a bit like Soccer AM. This week we're recording Sunday evening. What, what's that? 
songs of praise antiques roadshow so uh we'll be doing our best to conjure up those kind of vibes tonight yeah um but let's get stuck into it then uh as i say the test series between india and england drew to a conclusion this week in ahmedabad with a fourth and final test uh, that played out in relatively similar fashion to the previous two uh ending in a big win for the home side england won the toss batted first uh, but we're in massive trouble straight away. They were 30 for three, 78 for four. Uh, ben Stokes with a 50 and Dan Lawrence back in the side with 46 meant that they managed to scrape their way past 200 for the first time in forever. But they were all out for 205 with more wickets for Akshar Patel and Ravi Chandran Ashwin. India in response, well, England would have been feeling that they were back in the game when they reduced them to 80 for four and then 146 for six. But a remarkable 101 from just 118 balls from Rishabh Pant and 96 not out from Washington Sundar meant that India eventually uh, were bowled out for a 365. So that was a a first innings lead of 160. You always felt like that was going to be too many for India to even have to bat again, let alone for England to have a chance of of winning. And and so it indeed proved uh, they were 10 for two in no time. They were 30 for four not long after that. And despite a half century from Dan Lawrence, it, they never threatened to uh, to make India bat again. And they were all out for 135 with five wickets for Akshar and five wickets for Ashwin to give India the victory by an innings and 25 runs and wrap up what in the end was a comfortable series win, 3-1. This is only the fifth time that India have come from behind to win a test series. Um, and after winning in Australia of course a couple of months ago this has been a pretty sensational start to 2021 for them uh, for England uh, they'll have lots to ponder um, but what about you Tone how do you uh, ponder this how do you reflect on this game and on this series we're going to get into specifics I mean it sounds like you don't really have anything to say so I don't know why I'm asking you this question but we're going to get into the detail I'm I'm very keen to get into the the weeds here with you but in terms of the big picture it's obviously very disappointing that it's turned out like this after England started the series so strongly and won the first test by a big margin. But ultimately, did this turn into the kind of series we were expecting? Is there is there just a golfing class between these teams in these conditions? Is it as simple as that? Yeah, no, I do have some stuff to say. I do have some stuff. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's just somewhat... It, it was a depressing end to the series um yeah i think i said last last time out that i really regret not enjoying the the massive historic opening test win more than i did and talking it down because it yeah it, it really it really has gone south pretty swiftly after that and i guess well, i'm with you in the sense that probably we should have enjoyed it more like as I mean, I with ma- many it, things yeah. in life you ought to enjoy the good times when they happen but I think you were right at the time in saying that people were getting carried away talking yeah. about it being one of England's greatest test wins of all time because it really depends what happens in the rest of the series, doesn't it? And as it's proved, you know, people will not remember that test victory, um, you know, all that fondly, all that long because it didn't really mean anything in the end. Yeah, exactly. That I was going to come on to say that. that actually, yeah, exactly. It's kind of... <laughs> actually, you feel vindicated. <laughs> but... Once again, you've been proved right. No, 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 I'm not pleased about it, you know. Um, 
but, but yeah, but in the end, exactly, you know, it sort of one Joe Root masterclass, you know, does do, doth not make a, a series of enjoyment for England fans. Um, as and, the old saying goes. As, exactly. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. And, and since then, it has just been, it's been pretty torrid. I mean, I'm not angry and I'm, I'm, I'm not... I don't know. I'm not even disappointed. I'm kind of just, I'm just uh, nonplussed really. You know, England really don't do very well in India. Away teams don't do very well in India at the moment. And this is taking absolutely nothing away from India and their performance and, and the, the team that they've, that they've put together or the, the team that they had out in this series and, and some of the performances in there. But it was a bit nothing wasn't it? I mean, there wasn't really a contest in the, in the series um, you know, you look at the last test, all India really did was bowl two bowlers and, and, and they didn't really have to work very hard. Okay, yes, Ashwin, and we spoke at length about him last time out, uh, is clearly a very, very elite operator. But, but between him and, and Axel Patel, they, like, they didn't really have to do a lot. They just, you know, Axel Patel just ran up and, and chucked it down Drop it on the line and length. Very consistently. And of course, that is, you know, that is a skill in itself. But, you know, from a sort of competitive perspective, you know, England didn't really make them work very hard at all for the for the victory. Whether, yeah, exactly. Whether we've got to a point in this kind of cricketing cycle that it's almost impossible for any team to to win in India at the moment. And whether that's psychological, whether that is the skill level, whether India is so good at home or whether this particular Indian side are well, the thing is they've been doing it for quite a few years, haven't they now? But, you know, whether this side is any better than the side that, that rolled over England last time or has rolled over, you know, countless other sides over the last sort of 10 years or so or since England since England won. I mean, I looked back at the stats. Um, yeah, since England won in 2012, that's 13 series wins in a row at home for India. And from 38 tests, they've won 31 of them, 13 of them by an innings. And, and most of the others by hundreds of runs or kind of eight, nine, 10 wickets. You know, there's not, it, it, there hasn't really been any close tests in India. Um, and, 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 you know, and credit to India in, the, in this, in this series, you know, we you know, obviously said that England didn't make them work very hard from it, but, you know, they of course they're without Jadeja, you know, Axar Patel comes in as not a youngster, but obviously someone who knows his game, you would think reasonably well, but not someone you expect to, to to record the kind of figures he did in three tests, you know, just ludicrous numbers. Um, so, so credit to them, but yeah, from an England perspective, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty nothingy. Yeah. No Jadeja, no Mohammed Shami. I mean, we're going to talk about India in a sec, but you're right. Like, I mean, they've, they've recorded a, a pretty whopping victory here and, it does seem like the golfing class is massive, but yet how many Indian players actually had a good series? Not that many, you know, it really, it was founded almost entirely on two bowlers in Ashwin and Akshar Patel with some runs here and there from Rishabh Pant and one or two others. But I, I don't necessarily know that India had a fantastic series here. And in some ways that's the most disappointing thing for England that, you know, India didn't actually have to play that well, or certainly not collectively. Um, and yet they've still beaten England by miles I mean I, that said I mean in some ways England have surpassed my expectations here having said that um, you know this might have been the kind of series that we were expecting 
it's probably ended up being slightly better than we expected because I certainly didn't think they were going to win a test. I thought probably 4-0. Yeah, while, as we say, um, that victory won't be remembered as one of England's greatest of all time because it has occurred in a in a big series defeat in the end. They still won that game and I didn't see that coming. It's, um, it's scant consolation, I suppose, but it's still better than I thought. So in a sense, you think, well, how disappointed can we be given that this is not only what we were expecting, it's slightly better than we were expecting. But I guess it's maybe the um, the manner of the defeats, isn't it? It's the fact that in these three games, England were completely blown away. Like they couldn't even take the game to the fourth day or even the third day in the previous test. And it's also that they seemed to get worse as the series went on or the, the, the margins kind of got bigger. Um you know, you, you'd hope that they would improve as the series goes on, that they, you know, as they sort of adapt to the conditions, um, that it might get easier for them. But actually, it seemed like India kind of figured them out, or at least those two spin bowlers figured out England's batsmen, um, and they just completely unraveled. But yeah, like you say, you're not angry, you're not even necessarily disappointed. Honestly, I'm not devastated. <laughs> or even that disappointed because I didn't expect anything more. But then does that raise a question of why do we not expect more? You know, why are England such a long way away, seemingly, from being capable of winning a Test Series in India? You know, that perhaps there's a danger of hyperbole here because, you know, obviously England just won in Sri Lanka. They won in South Africa a year ago after the first Test win here. They'd won six Tests in a row away from home which I think is that the first time they've ever done that or for a long time. So they've been doing pretty well away from home lately. And it did seem that they were starting to make a bit of progress as a team. So yeah, it might just be that India are very, very good. It's always a tall order for any team to get any kind of result in India. As you say, India now won 13 test series in a row. Uh, This India team seems to be getting better. It does beg the question of, you know, well, if it's this difficult to win now, you know, is it only just going to keep getting harder as given as we talked about um, uh, a few episodes ago, you know, it's a bit ominous for the rest of the world that India do seem to be kind of fulfilling their potential in terms of, you know, the size of the population, and everything else. So, yeah, perhaps we shouldn't get too carried away with this England performance, this England defeat, because, you know, it's a very tough task and, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad team, but maybe the size of the defeats has to raise a few alarm bells. The fact that they could barely scrape together 200, um, you know, they, what was it? Six out of eight innings, they failed to make 200 and a seventh, they made 205. So yeah, that's not great, is it? So in certain specific ways, I think it's disappointing that England, haven't made more progress than four years ago you know they got blown away four years ago the fact that in the in the intervening period they haven't sort of they seemingly haven't kind of used that experience or benefited from that experience and we're in exactly the same place that we were then they're no closer this time yeah yeah exactly i mean as you say that the fact that they they didn't improve i mean i guess you know the, the psychological element of of you know you know once you you're kind of you know, you're you're in the in the targets in the in the sights of those Indian bowlers. Uh, then these series do have a, a a tendency to to drift away and just slide off into oblivion. But yeah, I, th- I suppose the disappointing aspect is, and you know, you think England 
the ECB clearly has the ambition or, or, or should have the ambition for England to be competitive in all formats of the game. And clearly England are very competitive, too competitive for the rest of the world at the moment in, in, in white ball cricket in some regards. And that's great. But, you know, given the fact that they know, you know, the, this, the World Test Championship was a, a new carrot, um, the fact that we've not, you know, they knew they needed to be producer side to um, compete in India. And I, I get, you know, it's been talked about at length, the caveats of the rotation, the pandemic, the way things have affected it. You know, we would have liked, I would have liked more prioritization given to this series because at the end of the day, they've, you know, they've missed out on that first World Test Championship final in England which would have been, you know, phenomenal occasion for English Test cricket. So, yeah, that that's a big miss. Um, and the, the yeah, the fact that they've kind of, you know, they've not gone for it here is is probably the most disappointing element. Not not necessarily the result itself. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about the World Test Championship. I have to say, um, perhaps I'll feel differently when we when the final rolls around. But at the moment, that's not in my thoughts at all. But I do just feel like you know given the resource of the ecb is it really acceptable that we're going into a series like this expecting england to lose 4-0 you know and and they do or they you know they don't lose 4-0 but they they get hammered we expect them to get hammered and they do um i mean yeah as i say it could just be that india are light years ahead of anyone else at home and no one can touch them and there's only so much you can do in that regard but it just feels like they're not doing much to try and correct that, you know, to try and solve that puzzle. Exactly. And, um, and you know, obviously the ashes are hugely important, arguably too important to, to English cricket. Um, too much emphasis is placed on it, but Hey, you know, it's, it's more of a blessing than a curse, but coming up against competing against beating India in India should be, is yes, yeah, all well and good winning in Sri Lanka against, what is you know a shrank aside i was gonna say in transition but probably not even in transition anymore in kind of in the doldrums somewhat the this is one of the marquee series this should be it's it's one of the two big away series really isn't it so i know you know we don't want to put too much emphasis again on the big three but there is a big three and that this is you know this is one of the big away series so you know that is pretty disappointing I, you know i think i said after the first test that you know it looks like i was quite hopeful that england were kind of moving in a good direction and sort of looked to have the nucleus of a, of a decent side um and i still kind of think that because uh, it's probably a bit of an outlier you know they didn't have the right side in the end to get anything from this series but again the caveats of the rotation the fact that you know butler who's been an improving player you know disappeared you know the 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 rotation policy did uh, undermine England's chances a little bit. Maybe not. It wasn't. It wasn't the deciding factor, obviously. But uh, I still think there's 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 potential there. But clearly, this wasn't the right setup to to win in these conditions against this side. So um, yeah, they need to go back to the drawing board on that. Well, before we talk about any specifics uh, for England, let's let's talk about India first because I feel like in the last few episodes we've we've uh, rabbited on for about fifty five minutes and then gone. And what about India then? Um, so let's, given that they've won this series and won so handsomely, let's let's maybe talk about them first. As we say, it's thirteen series victories in a row at home now, going back to well to when they lost to England in, in twenty twelve. 
And they've only lost, as you say, they've only lost a couple of matches during that run. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, do you think we've kind of alluded to this time, but do you think they are more or less invincible on home soil now? Well, if, yeah. Could if any t- team in the world beat them at the moment? If you turn up and play like that, certainly they are. I mean, I don't know. I Probably not at this point. Would you, would, could you see anyone going there and winning at the moment? Well, no, I, I don't, New Zealand and Australia are, you know, the, the sort of t- the other two successful teams at the moment. Um, I don't think either of them would have much of a chance, you know, it, in those conditions. It's just that, that they haven't got the right team for that either. I haven't really thought about this. Maybe I should have thought about it before or given you some warning to think about it before. But, you know, it'd be interesting exercise to sort of think about like what teams from history could win in India at the moment. But then, as we said, I don't even know. They are, India are obviously an extremely good team, but I don't know that they played that well here. Like, a, as a unit, a few players played incredibly well. But really, you know, it's interesting because we're going to spotlight the England batting in a minute, but arguably the difference between the sides was the bowling because, yeah, it was those two spinners were phenomenal. But actually, India didn't have a great series with the bat at all. I mean, we we saw nothing whatsoever from Kohli, Pajara or Rahani. I think, uh, did Kohli get two half centuries and, and the other two got one each? And between them, they averaged 23 across the series. So if you told me before the start that England would keep those three quiet, that, that those three would average 23 between them, I'd have said, well, England have got a really good chance then. Um I mean, actually, you know, they, they did find runs from somewhere. They were heavily dependent on their kind of lower middle order, sort of six, seven, eight, Pant, Ashwin, Washington, Sundar. That's where the bulk of the runs came from, really. And, and in this game, you know, England were actually well in the game. It's interesting to think about the fact that when India lost Ashwin and were six down, they were still some way behind England's first inning score. And England were right in the game and right in the series at that point. You know, they, they, could, they actually could have won that game from that position and drawn the series to all. Um, so really, it was those kind of... There were two consecutive century partnerships between uh, Pant and Washington Sunder and then Washington Sunder and Akshar Patel that bailed India out at that point and meant that they won the game and won the series very convincingly. Um, but yeah, not a lot of runs really from India. Yeah, from quite. India's I, kind of key batsman. I mean, the thing about that, England were to an extent in that in the game at that point, except for you would have had absolutely no confidence in England building. Yeah, had they got a first innings lead of building anything that would have been certainly would have put India out of sight. You know, they might That's have true. scrambled good point. one one hundred and hundred and fifty and made it potentially competitive, but. I think, yeah, I think most people would have had pretty low, low expectations there. But as you say, you know, it was to a certain extent kind of rear guard batting actions that that killed off the games as far as England are concerned. I mean, yeah, I know you, you, you maybe thought the, um, judging from some of the messages that, that came my way, that, that the, the chat about Pant was possibly over the top. I mean, I, it was an extraordinary innings. You know, even being on the receiving end as an England fan of, of that punishment, um, it was pretty, in, oh, it's not enjoyable to watch, but it was pretty exhilarating to watch. I mean, what, you know, what he did to, to the new ball or the way he approached the new ball, you know, I think slapping Anderson for two or three fours, you know, from the first three or four balls of the, of the, the new ball. And then that kind of reverse sweep, 
well, I guess it wasn't really a reverse sweep. It, it was, was like a, a reverse a lap. Rever- yeah, exactly. A reverse slash that, that, that went over the top of the slip cordon. Um, yeah, pr- pretty extraordinary. I think it's the classic kind of pundits over enthusiasm. You know, some people, you know, I've read about 10 versions of the, the thing of like, you know, well, India have got a superstar for the next X number of years now, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But certainly in this moment in time, um, he's, he's a hell of a player, a hell of a dangerous player and, and well, pretty he exhilarating. Is. Yeah, as you say, I sent you a few kind of uh, disgruntled messages uh, during during that innings. But actually, my, my objection is is not to him at all. It's just to the commentary. And we'll talk about the commentary, but I just I just find the hype way over the top. It was a very good innings. As you say, it was an exciting innings to watch, um, kind of counter-punching innings. And it was... Well, I was going to say it was a match-winning innings. Obviously, Ashwin and Akshar really were the match winners, but it was it was a match uh, a match setting up innings. It was a uh, catchy phrase for you, a pithy phrase for you. But you know, like on commentary, Sunil Gavaskar was saying he's like Adam Gilchrist, except Gilchrist batted at seven and Pant batted at six. You know, the implication being that you know that Pant is actually better than Gilchrist, and it's like well, or like more valuable than Gilchrist. So that, I, I don't know. It, he is, as you say, he is exhilarating to watch. He's a very, very good player. He's a player that would get into most teams and would certainly get into the England team. It does, though, feel like watching that innings, it does feel like he's throwing the bat at it a bit. Yeah, it doesn't always seem like he's in complete control. It seems like he's a little bit off balance sometimes, which, you know, that's true of a lot of players. And clearly it comes off enough, <laughs> but it's not always going to come off. And I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's a little bit over the top. Let's wait and see. Yeah, he, yeah. He's play, he obviously played that innings in Brisbane the other day that is that will go down as one of the great innings by an Indian batsman, or one of the most important. Um, so kind of hard to argue with that. But I don't know. It, it's as you say. It's just the it's just the overhyping from pundits, which is becoming more of a more which is becoming more and more of a problem. I feel like at the moment, like he's a very good player. That was a very good innings, but. It doesn't mean he's like... Uh, you could probably go back throughout this podcast history and pick out dozens of times where I've said it, but it is whether I, I now recognise just how ludicrous it is to say anything in terms of, you know, you can make cautious predictions and uh, about where people are going to go, but just, uh, yeah, this constant thing of now anything that happens now has to be like projected out 10 years Mm. Uh, hither if that's the right word um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it's like when to in football terms <laughs> what book have you you've been reading something or watching something you're using words like doth and hither tonight. <laughs> but you know like Liverpool won the league or whatever and then countless pundits were like well you know they're now going to dominate english football for for the foreseeable future uh mm. and then you know a year later they've absolutely crumbled and the man city side that have been written off are now now it's, it's just I everyone just needs to absolutely chill the f out, um, but yeah, certainly in, in the at the moment, Pan is um, is an exhilarating he's in exhilarating form and he's producing wonderful moments. So I was going to say, long that may continue. Long may that continue. Now that England aren't in the firing line, he hath impressed you. He hath. But yeah, as as I say, the you know he clearly was was the most impressive of the Indian batsmen. But really, it was it was the bowling that was the key, um, and obviously predominantly Ashwin and Akshar. It was you know really just those two bowlers. A series victory founded almost entirely on two players, which is quite unusual. 
Um, Ashwin, 32 wickets across the series. Akshar, 27. So 59 wickets between them out of 80. And, and Akshar didn't play the first test. Well, that's extraordinary, really, isn't it? It's It seems wild to think that he didn't play the first test and that he was picked for the second test and that was his debut. And he's taken four or five wicket hauls in his first three tests. I mean, as you say, he didn't necessarily have to do all that much, but it was just that kind of nagging line and length, exploiting the pitches, um, less so in this game, but certainly in tests two and three, the pitch was very friendly to him, it has to be said. Um, but exploiting the kind of natural variation that he was getting off the pitch. Some of them were turning a lot, some of them weren't turning at all. But also getting, because of his height, I think, just getting a bit of extra bounce off the pitch, suffocated England with the line and length, and then would, you know, then the odd ball would turn hugely or not turn at all, and that was it, and that would do for them. Um, So, yeah, in other parts of the world, I don't know whether he will have quite that level of success. You know, it's hard to imagine him... He's having quite that level of success on you know in on less friendly pitches in England this summer, for example. But if he continues bowling, you know that consistently, that metronomically, you know he's he's going to do very well in Test cricket. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether Jadeja gets back in the side now, or you know how do you accommodate? Or even in England, if they're only going to play one spinner, which they may well do, presumably that will be Ashwin. So you know, Akshar and Jadeja might both have to sit out. It's given them a a nice problem to have, I suppose. Um, And Ashwin, as you say, we talked about him at length last time, so we don't need to to harp on about it. But yeah, just clearly just continuing to underline his status as a a modern great. Only the fifth player to take 30 wickets and score a century in the same series after Imran Khan, Ian Botham in the 1981 Ashes, Richie Benno back in the 50s and George Giffen, in the late 19th century. So not many examples. Uh, he's kind of uh, putting himself in, in rare company there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But what about England then, Tone? Let's let's turn to England. Um, how do you explain the batting? Are England just bad at batting? You know, it feels a very long time ago that they made that big score in the first innings of the series, that 500 in the first innings. But after that, seven very low scores, failed to make 206 times, failed to make 154 times, which is the first time that's happened since 1909. And really, not a single individual batsman had a good series. 
even Root, who finished as the leading run scorer on both teams, was pretty disappointing after that phenomenal double hundred in the first test. You know, I suppose hard to be too critical when someone plays in innings like that. But after that, he only managed 150 runs in seven innings without even another half century. And he finished with a series average below 50, having scored a double hundred. So, yeah, I don't know. Whichever way you slice this time, it doesn't look great for the batting, does it? Yeah, I think it's probably it's probably harsh to single out any one player, you know, above any others because they were all equally ineffective in you know in the circumstances. That'll make them feel better. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, I mean, who would you pick out? Coach comes into the dressing room, sits them all down. Listen, I'm not going to criticize any of you individually because you were all shit. <laughs> Yeah, route two hundred eighteen. But uh, but other than that, you know, there were a couple of scores. Stokes and Lawrence got fifties, didn't they? Um, Sibley got got a fifty as well. But yeah, you know, the, the the stats kind of speak for themselves, don't they? What, what was it like fifty odd partnerships since that first innings of well, no, I don't know, a million partnerships without breaking fifty or whatever the stat was. Um, it's kind of meaningless at this point because it's just it was just the number was so large. They just, I don't know, exactly. There's just, they just weren't at it, were they? They weren't, they got no results. Well, yeah, I don't even know that. I don't even know if that's quite the right way of putting it because sort of saying they weren't at it implies that, oh, they were just all out of form. And I mean, that may have been part of it, but it, it did just look like they don't really have the technique to cope with those pitches or they, or they certainly had the wrong method. You know, too many of them were, were trying to play off the back foot. But then, he, but then when they tried to do something else, like Ollie Pope in this, game was like trying to be positive and trying to come down the wicket and sweep it but he ended up just looking kind of skittish and was like kept top edging sweeps and ended up getting stumped um miles down the track so but then you know, as you, that you know, didn't look great either it certainly doesn't look great when it when it fails to come off quiet but as you said before you know for the large part india's batsmen didn't really enjoy the series um apart from that kind of counter punching all those counter-punching innings from uh, Ashwin and, and Pant and, and Washington Sunday and, as well. Ro- and Rohit, obviously. Uh, okay, other than Rohit. Rohit um, earlier, yeah. you know, they, they struggle too. And, and that against what has variously throughout the series been described as either England picking completely the wrong, or England have been a judge to have misjudged the pitch and the conditions in th- for pretty much the last three tests, but have still restricted Kohli, Pajara, Rouhani to very little. So... I, I I don't know. Maybe had England gone in, you know, we people have been sort of bemoaning the fact that there's been so much chat about the pitches. But had England gone in with with, with another in-form frontline spinner to complement Leach, and with Root as a as a third option, you know, would would they have got closer? Maybe. I don't, are we being a bit harsh on the uh, the England batsman? Yeah, I know what you mean, and that's why coming back to what I said before, like ultimately the difference was the bowling, wasn't it? It was the India's bowlers and specifically those two spinners were much better than England spinners and were or England's bowlers and that that was the difference between the teams in the end but I don't think you can or it's kind of hard to look away from a series performance where England have failed to make 206 times (laughs) I mean that is that is grim isn't it and so but I, I agree with you that it, I don't think we need to write off any of these individual players. I don't think it automatically makes any of them bad players or 
negates what they've done over the last year or so because quite a few of them were it felt like we're sort of starting to grow into test cricket you know your Sibleys and your popes and your crawlies and i don't think we instantly need to sort of bin them because they failed here because it as you say it was incredibly tough against very very good bowlers on tough pitches someone like ollie pope dom Sibley, you know that they're still the future of this team but it's just a bit depressing a bit disappointing to think that they are the future of English batting and they're just nowhere near at the moment nowhere near good enough to compete here what about I mean is this the end of the road for Johnny Bairstow do you think Tone another another first ball duck in the second innings here three ducks in four innings I was thinking about him on the plane ride over to India you know on his own flew over on his own just like excited you know I don't know eating his uh little pack lunch or whatever just kind of visualizing what he was going to do shadow batting at baggage reclaim you know i don't know it's a bit tragic <laughs> to, to think about what then happened yeah i got i don't know i i, I it's just tough to watch really that i mean as well uh, uh, you know in that new stadium it's quite a long walk to the middle <laughs> to to get out first ball <laughs> you know <laughs> particularly the manner of that first ball of the the, you know, the last dismissal yeah, I, I, you know, well, he just turned. He kind of steered it around the corner to leg yeah. slip the knee, and it it reminded me of garden cricket when you just got all the deck chairs around <laughs> you as fielders, and you just like just sort of help one on its way to a deck chair. Yeah, and then just the deck chairs don't drop them, do they? I mean, yeah, you'd have to suffer Gordon McRae cartwheeling in celebration. It's oh, possibly it is. I don't know. It's a, it's a real shame because. You know, it, at times he's been phenomenal, Bearstow, and, and had really good spells, obviously. And there's perhaps maybe been a bit unfortunate in, in the test side in terms of the way he's been bumped around and exposed a bit. And probably, asked, you know, probably we've asked as an England faithful people, you know, or, or certainly the selectors have asked a bit too much of him. You know, when he was in the side as a as a wicket keeper, and he was he was a competent keeper, obviously, you know, not at the level of folks. Um, and and batting down at six or seven with his obviously the ability he has to to score quickly um, it kind of yeah he seemed like a good fit there but but when he's just batting and he's batting at yeah but but yeah batting up the order batting at number three it just doesn't work and so he's probably been you know I don't know it's probably been a bit harsh really he's been he's been thrown to the wolves somewhat yeah I'd probably agree with that that he that too much has been asked of him or it has perhaps been a little unfair the way he's been shunted around in the order. But then on the other hand, you could say, well, he's been given opportunities in in different places at different times and he's just failed to take them, really. I mean, you know, he is, he's definitely one of the most talented batsmen in England. Like, at, at his best, it's probably only Root, Stokes, who are ahead of him in terms of talent. But that's at his best, and he he hasn't produced his best in Test cricket for a long time since since the start of 2017. He's averaging 26 in 36 Tests. So yeah, I mean that does to a large extent coincide with when he when the gloves were taken off him, and he's been you know pushed up the order and put in just as a specialist batsman. But hey, if he's not able to be, you know, if he's not capable of just being a specialist batsman, then the question is. It, can he play as England's wicketkeeper? Well, you'd pick Folks and you'd pick Butler ahead of him. So I just feel like he doesn't have a place now. I mean, he's had a lot of chances. 
they keep bringing him back. He keeps coming in, failing, getting dropped, and then one or two series down the line, they're like, yeah, let's just bring Johnny Bairstow back, you know, without him actually having proved anything or, or, or shown any form in, in first-class cricket. He just gets a recall because he's Johnny Bairstow. For me, I think that should be his last test, unless he piles on the runs in the championship and kind of makes himself unignorable. And I, I don't mean that he scores 100 in the first round of fixtures and is straight back in for the New Zealand series. I mean that he does it consistently throughout at least this season, maybe more than just this season. That would be the only way for me that he would get a recall, not because he's scoring runs in white ball cricket for England. He's got to be doing it in red ball cricket consistently. Otherwise, I think, unfortunately, Johnny, that's that's probably it. I mean, you just can't keep picking a guy who's, who's <laughs> who just isn't performing in the way that he's not performing. What did you make of, of Don Bess' tone in this game? He was brought back for this test, having been left out of test two and three. I can see you kind of grimacing there. Was it a bit... It was, a bit, it was tough to watch at times, wasn't he? He was struggling to land the ball on the pitch um, at certain points. No wickets, very expensive. Just felt a bit sorry for him, really. Yeah, Do you think England have managed him badly? Yeah, I think undoubtedly they did. I mean... Yeah, again, he's probably someone who who has been too much has been asked for in, in to a certain extent too soon. I mean, he has had you know he has been he's played a few games now, so he's not you know you know I can see I can see the argument the other way as well. Yeah, but I, I think the narrative of the the series and the way he was he was kind of yeah he was dropped and he was he you know it was billed as his opportunity to go away and kind of fix all the issues and then yeah exactly then you know then he's back a game later. So yeah, again, he's probably another person who can feel pretty slightly hard done by in terms of he hasn't really been looked after in you know in the most sensitive way, has he? And it's tough, yeah, it is tough. Like he's he's clearly a young player, so you don't want to you can't write or you don't want to, and you can't write him off. But you do wonder how much extra damage has been done in those couple of weeks, rather you know if they had just let him go after that first test um when when Moeen came back and and that and that was it but just those extra couple of of weeks in the spotlight you know that 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 could set it back a you know longer than otherwise it might have been yeah uh, he he may have been a victim of the rotation policy in that sense because you know obviously if Moeen had stayed um he almost certainly wouldn't have have played in this game and that would have probably been you know he'd have probably been better off in that case um I mean, he's still, what is he, 23? He's got a lot of years ahead of him. You know, even if he goes away for three or four years now and kind of works on his craft, he could still come back into the England team at some point and have a long career. So, you know, and he seems like, he, you know, one of the reasons England like him is because he seems to have real kind of strength of character and real mental fortitude. So I don't think there's any reason to think that that's it for Don Bess. Um, but, I, but I do feel, I do feel sorry for him because of the way that he's been managed, but also because I just feel like that there is, there's too much focus on the bowlers at times. I mean, yes, as we, as we say, the difference between the teams here was the bowling. So you can say that, you know, if you just want to sort of line up Don Bess against Akshar Patel and say, well, that was the difference, you know, to some extent it, maybe it was, but firstly, it's not Don Bess's fault that he's not as good as Ashwin or Akshar, you know, he's, he is, as we say, he's young, He's still learning. But also, yeah, 
England failed to score 206 out of eight innings and yet we're blaming Don Bess or all the talk is about Don Bess. I don't know. And I feel like it's probably, you know, maybe it's just um, a product of the fact, a consequence of the fact, the sort of the nature of the game. Batsmen only fail twice. So, you know, Johnny Bairstow just comes in, prods one to leg slip and walks off and he's literally on the pitch doing that for about 30 seconds or a minute. Whereas bowlers, Don Bess is failing repeatedly, isn't he? He's out there for hours failing. So you kind of, you just see it a lot more. It's sort of in your mind a lot more than someone like Dom Sibley, who's had a really quite poor series here, averaged about 16, is not really being talked about because you can sort of hide a bit more as a batsman simply because you're just not part of the action as much. Yeah, quite. And yeah, even if you're not bowling, you're the cameras on you on the boundaries. You're kind of and the, as the commentators are wondering if you're ever going to be brought back into the attack. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I agree with that. Here's a hard question for you. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say. I, yeah, I think you know the the flight back for for some of those players will be yeah pretty mellow, I guess, because collectively it's been this has not been much to enjoy, has there? So. Yeah, I agree. We shouldn't single out anyone to, you know, for too much criticism because, as I said earlier, they're also blame. Going to have to uh, get one of those massive bars of dairy milk and duty-free just to cheer themselves up. <laughs> Do they still... I don't know. I don't know what... I don't know. Airport Do airports shops still exist? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's been too long. <laughs> um, here's a hard question for you to answer, Tone. Yeah, go on. Were there any positives for England in this series? Not really. Yeah, so I was thinking back to obviously the last time England were in India, 2016, drew the first game, got walloped for four consecutive matches, yeah, and, and lost the series 4-0. But I do remember thinking, actually, England had kind of, they were, they were, you know, they were in the, you know, there was probably, I felt like England had, had done a bit more there. There was something to enjoy. I think coming away from this... Lots of positives, this, you thought. That this Keaton Jennings, he looks a player, you, you thought. Well, I guess yeah, Hamid came in, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's mad. It is actually mad. Any time you look back <laughs> at old teams, is mad. But you know, England that that series, Duckett was there. Ansari, he's like, he's, wow. I think he's a lawyer he's, now, isn't he? He's working in the city. Isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do remember thinking in 2016 that actually, you know, a four nil was quite harsh on um, on England. Whereas probably you go away from this series thinking three one is quite. It's quite kind on England, yeah, <laughs> and and the actual, the, you know, the margin of victory. Even it was like, um, yeah. So I don't know, not not a huge amount. Let's just crack on. It's very hard to find positives. It's very hard to kind of pick out any individuals who've performed well. Uh, Jimmy Anderson had a pretty good series. You know how much uh, uh, sustenance you can draw as an England fan on that. Um, I suppose is open to question. You know, in terms of thinking like, oh well, the future or the next time England come to India. Um, yeah, it doesn't sort of leave you with much. I mean, I suppose you mentioned Anderson, actually, you know, looking back to that, that the golden ovary bowled in that first test, which, you know, was was, was described by, by quite a few people as like, you know, up there with the best overs Better ever than bowled Flintoff. by yeah. an English bowler. Um, so at least we've got that to enjoy. And, and there were a few I mean, wickets, I'd forgotten you know. all about it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Moeen's ball to get rid of Coley. That was, you know, and Coley's kind of, Bemused face. That was a great moment. Um, Stokes had it. Uh, it was a great moment in this game. Who, who did Stokes get out? Uh, uh, yeah, the, the ball that Stokes delivered to get rid of Rohit in this game as well was 
that was an exciting moment. You know, the kind of wicked in swing, and and, and yeah, a big celebration. But yeah, but other than that, I mean, there wasn't a huge amount to enjoy. Yeah, isolated moments, but maybe a few, not like a couple of spells. Yeah, yeah, you know, individuals who did well across the series. The only one I could think of was Jack Leach. I thought Leach had a had a decent series. Eighteen wickets at twenty eight. Yeah, obviously not in the same league as Ashwin or Akshar, but did his job pretty admirably. I thought after a, you know, what has been a torrid year for him personally with with health issues mm. and so on. So that's fair. Yeah, I think he can. I think he can hold his head up high and be proud of his performance here and has, has really kind of cemented his status as England's number one spinner and should have booked in his his spot um, for the foreseeable really. Dan Lawrence, 50 of that. that Beyond that, yeah, Lawrence, the only other one. Didn't pull up any trees, but it's done himself no harm necessarily. Scored more runs in this series than Pajara or Rahani in one fewer game. But then, as we say, they both had very poor series, so I don't don't know. Um, (laughs) I don't know what, know, what you can make with that. But yeah, you know, putting himself in the mix um, for, for selection in England's first choice team. Uh, very quickly, so and I have I've drawn up two teams for you here, two 11s, uh, starting with a composite 11 from this series. It's been a long time, Tone. Uh, see what you make of this. This was actually quite difficult to do because, as we say, even uh, on the winning team, not that many players had good series. So, but anyway, see what you make of this. Uh, row hit, that was an easy one. Opening partner, <laughs> very difficult. <laughs> But in the end, I went for Zach Crawley on the basis of that one fifty that he scored. It was a great fifty. When he was like, <laughs> when he was stroking that around, you did think, "Here we go!" You know, it's on, it's on. I've had to go with Pajara at three because it was either him or Bearstow or Dan Lawrence. That that was it, really. So I've had to go with Pajara, even though he had a poor series. I've then gone for Root on the strength of that double hundred. Coley at five, even though he had a poor series. So really, in the top five, we're talking about one player who had a very good series and one player who had one good innings and the rest <laughs> didn't really. <laughs> then it gets, um, you know, it gets a bit stronger lower down. Rishab Pant at six. And then, and then I've got four spinners, Ashwin, Washington Sundar, Akshar and Leach and Jimmy Anderson as a lone seam bowler. So uh, seven Indian players and four from England. I, you know, when, you, when you look at that, I, uh, yeah, I do think that that does illustrate the point that India... You know, there wasn't much to enjoy from either side. I mean, could you argue that? Well, I don't think you could argue. Actually, I won't make the argument. You can cut that. You won't know. You no one will know what the argument was. No. Um, so that's my composite eleven. I've got one other eleven for you here, Tony, which is uh, my England team for the first test against New Zealand on the second of June. Well, go on. I mean, there's some caveats here, or there could be caveats. Well, the caveat is that this might well. Uh, that this team might not be all available uh, on the 2nd of June because there's some talk of some of them missing it for the IPL. You know, that's potentially a controversial subject, which we can return to. But assuming that everyone's fit and available, this would be my England team for there. Uh, I'm going with Sibley and I'm going with Rory Burns, bringing Burns back in. I uh, didn't have a very good couple of matches here, but I, I do still feel that, you know, he's got a lot to offer. Uh, I'm going to move Crawley back down to three because he did very well at three in England last summer. Then Root at four, then Stokes. Then I've uh, hedged a little bit here, Tony. I've gone Lawrence slash Pope slash Butler. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, I think arguably Lawrence has just about nudged ahead of Pope. You know, Pope didn't have a very good series. Lawrence did quite, you know, did reasonably well at times. So I'm giving folks the gloves at seven. So it sort of depends on who's in form, I think, to, to bat at six. Maybe Butler as a specialist batsman. Uh, and then folks at seven. And then uh, Wokes, Broad and Anderson as Seamers and Jack Leach. I mean, that's going to be a tough series. It's going to be a very tough series. Uh, could be a very exciting series. Well, it could be a very exciting summer all round for Test cricket, couldn't it? Because yeah, obviously, yeah, England play New Zealand, who will be warming up for the the World Test Championship final. So they'll be they'll be gunning for it. Then obviously that World Test Championship final, which you know, as as much as it has, it's been a bit of a, a sham. It's not really quite been a sham, but it's been you know, it's been slightly undermined by the pandemic. Not 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 the biggest um, issue that's come out of the pandemic, obviously, but. Um, yeah, that top five. Yeah, uh, but that yeah, that will be an exciting occasion nonetheless, and interesting in itself. And then, um, and then, yeah, huge, you know, India, this India series at home, where who knows what will happen. Yeah, that should be a cracking series. It would be, be very different. It will, you know, be a very different kind of cricket to what we've seen here. I still think England will start as favourites there, just about. Um, but it should be a lot closer than this. You know, I think India will fancy their chances in a way that England rightly didn't here so yeah it is it is an exciting summer for sure uh, one disappointment i suppose is that that new zealand series is only two tests because you know that has the capacity to be absolutely fantastic test cricket i'm sure we'll talk about it closer to the time tone just before we finish can we just mention the commentary because i will i will miss this series but i will not miss the commentary uh obviously we've talked about this a little bit on the last few episodes but it's very kind of noticeable to us because with this series being on free to air in the uk on channel four they're just picking up the feed from indian tv we're just getting the indian commentators plus graham swan it's quite hard to listen to at times isn't it yeah it's pretty partisan uh, yeah, yeah it's just it needs some work i don't know they maybe they need to to just just start again really with the coverage but i don't know i don't like they've clearly got the camera angles they've clearly got the facilities to to produce coverage to match sky sports but the way it's deployed is is pretty pretty poor really i mean they, they just don't they, they just don't go over anything there's no like they don't show you any no like, pick out any moments i mean the the the, the moment where you were the, my phone was pinging away with your pant rants <laughs> <laughs> um pant rants would be a a good spin-off podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll go into it. Um, but uh, yeah, literally, they every two minutes they would just revert to the scorecard and be like, "Well, that was amazing from Pan, wasn't it?" And they're like, "Yeah, it really was." It's like, God, just, I mean, yeah. at least show the shots again. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just as you say, partisan. That's probably an understatement. Yeah, it's like kind of breathless cheerleading of of every Indian player and performance. <laughs> One of the messages I said to you, I was so exasperated, was when. It wasn't even his batting. It was uh, on the final day here and, you know, well, the third day, England's uh, collapse, when Ollie Pope was stumped. And, I mean, it was it was a decent bit of work behind the stumps, but Pope was miles down the pitch. You know, if, if Pant had missed it, you know, it would have been terrible. But, yeah, it, you know, it was a pretty routine stumping. And the commentator, I think it was Muradi Kartik, but anyway, whoever the commentator was, just went... 
that has he got it that is phenomenal from Rishabh Pan absolutely brilliant from Rishabh Pan and it is I mean go back and watch it again but it, it really is a routine stumping and I think I think it I think it kind of um yeah infiltrated the Channel 4 studio as well and the, the, the on the final day they ran through the highlights and they were basically just crediting every catch to Coley even though it wasn't Coley taking any you know it, it uh, that kind of stuff is just really annoying the, yeah well I, hate I really don't i don't like it when english commentators do it and they do but it was just on a different level here and then as you say it's is that plus the fact that they fail to look at things again and you know kind of failure to criticize or even scrutinize the pitches or the third umpire decisions so all of that is kind of well it, it's embarrassing to be honest but then on top of that it's also just really not very good commentary. There's no real analysis. There's no insight. And it's all just cliches. Did you notice this? They all just, they all just spout cliches. There was, well, there was one moment, actually, where Lachman Krishnan, who's one of the worst. I was going to say maybe the worst. One of the worst. I can't remember. Who it, was. it must have been Rishabh Pant, I guess. Kind of smacked one for four. Bit streaky for. And Lachman Krishnan went, Fortune favours the brave. The more I practice, the luckier I get. Pick whichever one you want. <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, I don't know, Tate. Maybe we've just been spoiled by Sky, which, as I've said before, I, I do think is the best coverage of any sport, at least that I've seen. Um, and, and yeah, maybe, maybe some other English stuff. Maybe I was thinking about it. Maybe Test Match Special might sound similar to non-english ears you know if you kind of you know vaughan and swan and tufnell and agony kind of chuckling away and and just bigging up stokes and bearstow and whoever else you know maybe that that does sound the same bit that you don't get that on sky um but it was this was pretty hard to stomach at times all right well that uh, that about brings us towards the end of the show tame but before we go uh we'd probably be remiss if we didn't at least mention the truly remarkable events in a t20 international between west indies and sri lanka in antigua kicking off sri lanka's tour uh, of the caribbean with odis and test to follow although i say i say tour i think i think every, i think all the games are in antigua this one was in the coolidge stadium i i couldn't work out where it was when it, I, you alerted me to the fact that this had happened and i went and sought out the clips and I was like, where is that? I do not recognize that stadium at all. And then I, I looked it up and it said Coolidge. And I was like, I don't, where's Coolidge? But it's in Antigua. It's the Stanford Stadium, tone, isn't it? The yeah. renamed Stanford ground. And uh, this was the first international there. How bizarre that there's been this massive stadium sat in Antigua <laughs> for, what is it now, getting on for 12 years? <laughs> <laughs> the Stanford kind of, the Stanford years, uh, yeah, it's one of the, the, the oddest... <laughs> kind of it's the oddest uh interjection into english cricket probably <laughs> i thought you <laughs> thought you meant of your life like this is the way you kind of think about your life the good times. Like, oh, oh yeah the stanford years because i finished school university then there were the stanford years <laughs> and then bizarre utterly bizarre i agree bizarre all around really how many years is he in jail for i really don't know we should try and we should try and interview him like do you think we could try and um like start some correspondence like write him a letter or something the same what the same way that kind of some people like yeah try and like fall in love with with prison yeah (laughs) 
hard hard nuts. If you if you fall in love with Alan Stanford, that would certainly be uh, an interesting twist to the World Cricket Show. Uh, well, anyway, Tim, what what happened in this game? Why was this this T Twenty so uh, noteworthy? Uh, so remarkable. Yeah, I mean, just you just have to look at the scorecard. Really, does the scorecard tell you? Well, it, like, it tells you a little bit. I mean, Sri Lanka posted 131 from their 20 overs. But yeah, the, the West Indies chase then reads 26, 28, golden duck, golden duck, 38 from 11 balls, 29 from 24 balls, golden duck, four from 17. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so basically, yeah, Sri Lanka posted a pretty modest total. Um, West Indies chasing 132, uh, you know, made a made a, a decent start. Simmons and Lewis, uh, you know, putting on a few runs, like fifty two for the first wicket, um, and then yeah, Den and Jaya took a hat trick, uh, including well, Gale um, was the second wicket of that hat trick, and then Puran, who's obviously you know an exciting and and you know, a hot prospect, another golden duck, and then yeah, then Kieran Pollard came in. And hit him. So, Denonjaya took a hat trick in one over, and then the next over, Kieran Pollard hit him for six sixes, which is, I mean, yeah, obviously that's not happened in international cricket before. Well, he's the third player to uh, hit six sixes in an over yeah. in international cricket after Herschel Gibbs and Yuvraj Singh. But yeah, for, for there to be a hat trick in one over and then six sixes in the next is uh, indescribable, really. Yeah, I mean, pretty extraordinary. And the, the, um, I think West Indies were four down at that point before Pollard launched that. And and I guess you know, obviously Sri Lanka having Denonjaya having just taken a hat trick, we're, we're probably pretty buoyant. And and Pollard just comes in and absolutely swipes him uh, away, and 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 then just kind of gave a little bow to the to the West <laughs> Indies um, dressing room afterwards. Yeah, it was pretty extraordinary. And actually, that that um, Denonjaya. Uh, his first, the first ball of his next over went for six as well. So seven sixes in a row. And the, the ball after that, the second ball of his, of the, of the over after the six sixes, um, the boundary fielder shelled a catch. So, <laughs> I mean, you just think, yeah. But Sri Lanka did come back to win the second game, didn't they? And the, the third and final game, the deciding game, that's tonight, isn't it? In fact, yeah, it's probably starting it's around starting. now. Yeah. Exciting. Sri Lanka 27 for three as we speak. Um, anyway, that is going to be it for this episode and for this little run of podcasts covering the test series in India. I hope you've enjoyed our coverage, but don't worry, we're not going anywhere. People have been saying that for years uh, because there is lots of cricket coming up, all the white ball stuff in India, obviously. More cricket around the world, including Sri Lanka in the Caribbean. And we'll be, you know, we'll be around where we will be covering it all. Uh, I was going to say, you know, we'll be looking ahead to the the summer in England as well, but that is still three months away. So uh, we might be able to cover some other stuff as well. Potentially, you could try and persuade me to do a bit on the IPL. It's a bit of a hard sell, but we'll see how it goes because they've announced the dates for that now, haven't they? Starts beginning of April. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, anyway, lots to look forward to on the World Cricket Show uh, over the next few years. But between now and then... Uh, if you enjoy the show, then do get more involved on social media or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm sure you can find us there. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com if you've uh, you know got something you want to get off your chest. And if you do enjoy the show, then uh, write a review and or leave a rating 
uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, because that is a great way of getting more people involved. But that's going to be it, I think. Quick lockdown update. How's your lockdown going, Tane? Things have kind of stabilised a bit here in Guernsey. I haven't actually asked you this. I'm back to work tomorrow. Are you going back to work tomorrow or not yet? Kind of. Yeah, no, I will do a bit more work. <laughs> you do a bit more work? <laughs> no, I will. Yeah, there's, there's more to do this week. Yeah, there's more to do. But do you have to go into the office or not yet? Well, they're still saying don't, but I'll probably pop in a few times. Yeah. You play by your own rules. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. That's going to be I'm going to have to go to bed, Tone. I'm pretty much falling asleep holding the microphone here. So, so let's call this a day. Stay in school, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Yeah, cheers. Smell your fear. Ba da da ba 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 da da ba ba.